our topic for tonight is finding the flaws, recognizing self-destructive views. And our main idea here is loving God with all our mind means thinking well. You shouldn't, uh, when you receive your your outline, when it comes around, uh, I want you to, to think about this. I uh, learned something new the past couple of days when I was down in South Carolina with my with my family. My parents live on a golf course, and uh, you can you can look across the back patio and see the golfers tee off, and some of them uh, are teed off once they tee off. It's it's somewhat entertaining, but they have this um, this this pond right behind my my parents' backyard, and in the pond there there are bass and things like that, and then obnoxious demonic geese that come around that will chase you. Um, but also in the pond, there are these gigantic uh, carp. And um, these carp, I mean, are absolutely gigantic. And I, I brought my bow. My brother needed me to help him out with some random scene in a video. He said, can you bring your bow? And I was like, I want to drill one of those carp with my bow. But then I thought, you're a terrible person. So I didn't, I didn't do that. But, uh, but my dad, we were, we were trying to fish, and we didn't have any bait. It was like, Mom, you have any bread? And it was like, oh. <coughs> five-week-old bread and you put on the took and it just totally disintegrates and the fish are like, appreciate your ministry, you know? And so, so we're there. We didn't catch anything, but then Dad's like, we've got to figure out how to catch carp. And I was like, let's Google it. He said, great idea. And so, uh, obviously, you know, he was proud of me. I knew how to Google it. So we get on Google and we're looking up how to catch carp. And it's very, very tricky with how you catch carp because... They go along the top of the water, and if you've ever seen uh, carp, they basically suck in their food, and they kind of roll it around in their mouth and see if it's good. They're kind of like highfalutin fish. You know, like, is this good enough for my cartonist to ingest? And then once they figure out that it's okay, they'll either suck it in or spit it out. And they say you have to be very careful when you make a cart ball, which is just a nasty conglomeration of all sorts of stuff that we would never want to eat. Apparently the carp are really into that. You've got to hide the hook effectively because they can feel it with their sensitive mouths and they'll spit it out. And I said, you know, thinking about what we're going to talk about tonight Us as Christians being able to love God with all of our mind means, me as a follower of Jesus Christ, means that I should learn how to think well, right? Now, first off, this does not mean that we necessarily go for a degree, because we've probably all known people who have... PhD, after master's degree, after this, after that, and they can't find their way out of a paper bag. They also don't have the knowledge of God. So we're not equating here just uh, getting degrees or getting skills, but what does the Bible have to say about the mind? So we're going to take a look at a few verses here and then look at some uh, some rather, I guess we could say, issue-provoking scenarios, and we're going to talk through those together. But this has kind of been our theme verse for these last three or four weeks when we've been talking about apologetics. It's Matthew ten sixteen. And Jesus says, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Often Christians focus on the innocent part, but Jesus says you need to be wise as a serpent. Proverbs 12, 8. 
A man is commended according to his good sense, but one of twisted mind is despised. Psalm 26, 23. Prove me, O Lord, and try me. Test my heart and my what? Mind. For your steadfast love is before my eyes, and I walk in your faithfulness. Proverbs fifteen fourteen, The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouth mouths of fools feeds on folly. Now, now here's an interesting note for those of you Bible scholars. We're using the ESV here, but if you look these verses up in the New American Standard Version, every instance, at least in the book of Proverbs, where you see the word heart, it uses the word mind. We know in the Hebrew uh, idea, the heart has to do with the essence of the person, who you are. In other words, it incorporates your mind, your thinking ability, your sensibility, such as, I prefer this, I have a strong desire for God's righteousness to be you know, fulfilled in the earth, and things of that matter. So, when you see the word heart, it doesn't just mean what often we think it means, which will stop right here. And what do you think when we say heart... In American culture, what do most people associate with that? Emotion. Exactly. Unless they associate achy, breaky heart. Remember that song? That was bad, wasn't it? Alright. So, in the Bible, the word heart incorporates every aspect of who we are, what we think, how we think. So let's not think that the heart and the mind are absolutely separate things like some people would tell us. Uh, Proverbs 18.2, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Let's read that one more time, slowly. Proverbs 18.2, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding. Now let's stop here. What has to be in place for you to have understanding? Knowledge and reasoning? Okay, listening. But you see, if I'm the man, period, then why do I need to listen to any of y'all? If I have all of my ducks in a row, when I sign my name, Jeff Robinson, all that, and a bag of chips, do I need anybody? No. So if a person is awesome in their own eyes, then why would they need to understand anyone else if they have their own opinion? You ever talked to anybody like that before? Remember Socrates? This, this, this is, this is, this is not even Bible. This is pagan. Socrates, the Oracle of Delphi says Socrates is the wisest man in Greece. Do you know why? Socrates was the only man who says, I know nothing. Let that sink in. That's not even biblical prophet. That's pagan. And if the pagans can get that close, to halfway have a good idea, then think of how much dead-on Scripture is. So, fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Here's one thing that I think would help us as Christians, being able to lead people to Jesus. When you listen to a person, you're showing them that you value them. When you ask them a question, give them eye contact, lean forward, and you're expressing interest in them as a person, they are far more prone to give you eye contact, lean forward, and actually listen when you tell them about Jesus, you see. And y'all tell me, if I'm just doing nothing but spreading my own opinions 24-7, what am I not doing by default? 
Listening. And if I'm not listening, I'm not what? I'm not, one of the things is I'm not learning, and I can't learn. Here's the thing. Even if we have a, a basic idea about something, if we're talking to wise men and women, it's good to just throw out the question anyway, because they could see it from a different angle than we could, even if we're pretty sure that we've got it right. So that's one of the main issues in Proverbs. Um, we've kind of got our own Americanism. Uh, what, what's the thing about um, if you keep your mouth shut, then people will not think that you're a fool. And if you open your mouth, you remove all doubt, something like that. Anybody have the verbatim version of that? I totally just butchered it. It's better be thought a fool. Okay, it's better be thought a fool than open your mouth and remove all doubt. Thank you. All right, good deal. You got the southernism right there. Okay, good. Uh, Proverbs 18, uh, 15. An intelligent heart acquires knowledge and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. So right here, this is saying that true faith in God is not all emotion. And in fact, if the emotion is not connected to truth, it's very possible that it can be led astray by something else. Right? If we can convince somebody to get saved, somebody else smarter can convince them uh, to get out of it. Proverbs twenty two seventeen: Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise and apply your heart to my knowledge. Matthew 22, 37 through 38. And he said to him, this is Jesus' response about what is the greatest law. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first, the great and first commandment. Romans 1, 28. And this is obviously um, the, I guess you could say, the process of people steadily rejecting God's revelation of himself. This is what the Apostle Paul says happens to a person or society that continually rejects the word of God. Romans one twenty eight says, And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, check this out, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. And then the verses following the things that ought not to be done are PG-13+. plus. Notice it doesn't say here, that God simply allows them to emote and have emotion. He says literally, if you reject the truth of God, then he will give you over to a mind that thinks the opposite of what God says. For example, um, if I have rejected the knowledge of God, then my mind is going to become totally centered around myself. That means that in my relationships and in my family, the logical decision of whatever conflict we're having is whatever benefits whom. Me. And we watch TV and flip the channel, and we come across Jerry Springer, and we're like, are you insane? I mean, if you, honestly, see, see the scenarios, see the people on the talk shows, and we're just like, you're nuts. But in their own world, they are the point of it all, right? Have you ever had, I mean, we could be, we could be here like till next week, have you ever had a conversation with someone and literally, they don't say this, but you can see, not even because God's given you this special gift of prophecy, but you can see that they literally think that life is about them. Financially, relationship-wise, in every angle, it is about them. That's the why they treat you the way that they treat you. That's the reason why they react the way they react against other people. But when... 
the power of Christ comes into our life, he radically breaks that chain of self-centeredness and he changes uh, everything around. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 8. We're going to read this and jump into the scenarios. This is, by the way, I feel kind of weird sometimes when I say this is brilliant and I'm talking about the Bible. Like, it's from, from God, the one who gave language. But, but all that being said, this is brilliant. Ch- check out the, 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 the thought flow here. Uh, beginning in verse 5, uh, the Bible says, For those who live according to the flesh set their what? Minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is what? Death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is what to God? Hostile. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, notice just for a moment, I want you to think of the people that you're praying for in your life, people who are lost, self-centered, away from God. What most of them are wanting to do is to achieve peace in their life, right? To have my problems taken care of, to have the quote-unquote LIG, life is good, bumper sticker on my car and it not be a lie, right? But the Bible says that if we set our mind to the things of the flesh, 1 John chapter 2, right? Things of the flesh, lust of the flesh, right? Uh, The the, the desires, uh, the world, let's say in verse verse 17, the world and its lusts are passing away, fading away. It's like the Monopoly game that all the pieces go back in the drawer and you go back to what you're doing 48 hours later after the Monopoly game begins. But he who does the will of God abides forever. It's an absolute contrast to the way that the lost person thinks. That's why some people may give you a hard time about being really serious about Jesus Christ. Because following Jesus Christ means that you put what he values above what most other people value. So it's right there that you come into conflict. But what we understand is that once we've been freed by Christ... To set our mind on the Spirit is life and peace. And all of us know of examples, no matter when we were saved, if we were saved as a little kid, or if we were saved 40s, 50s, whenever. We all know that if you follow Jesus Christ, it's going to be harder in some senses, but in other senses it's going to be so much easier because you're not heaping on yourself mistakes that the Word of God points out, they're going to make your life unreasonably difficult. For example, bitterness. Bitterness tears up a lot of people, right? Unforgiveness. And we think about uh, the sin of idolatry, a.k.a. getting into unreasonable, unnecessary, unmanageable debt. Stresses people out like crazy. That's a result of sin. Unbiblical values. I mean, all those types of things that if we follow Jesus Christ and we have Him first... Those problems will not be there. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5. This is kind of the, the linchpin here. Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus. Colossians 3 2. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. So that's kind of just a very quick flyover of some verses that deal with the mind. So let's see how we actually put this in practice in apologetics.
But first, here's the several skills of an ambassador of Christ, which, by the way, the Bible says that we are ambassadors of Christ. Uh, number one, knowledge or an informed mind. Number two, uh, wisdom or an artful method. Why is simply uh, knowing the gospel probably not enough to be an effective ambassador if we neglect number two? Yes, yes. I know how to unpack it with love and grace and strength. Number three is character. In other words, an attractive manner. Okay. And by the way, no matter if you are um, like an introvert or an extrovert or somewhere in the middle, there's when we get the character of Christ, that's always going to be disarming to many people. We come in humbly. We come in with our strength in Him. Come in with saying, hey, you may even be far more intelligent than me. And that's okay. But I'm here to tell you about Jesus instead of getting into that battle of wits. So here's what C.S. Lewis says about people um, who advocate viewpoints that are self-destructive. He says, and I quote, they have sawn off the branch they are sitting on. Here's, Here's... few examples here of views that self-destruct. These are just uh, logical um, uh, contradictions here. A woman gives birth to her own father. Right? Logical impossibility. All English sentences are false. What about this one? There is no truth. What we ask is, is that statement true? Alright? Another example here. And by the way, these are things that when we first started, you're like, what in the... What kind of, what, where are we going, Jeff, with this one? Moment one in the world. This is, all right. Um, this one here, uh, there are no absolutes. So you're saying absolutely that there are. <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Is this an absolute? Awesome. And here's the thing. When we deal with people, uh, man, we're always going to run out of time, but. When these things come up all the time, especially if you're involved in the online world in any regard, Twitter, uh, Facebook, those are the only two that I do. I'm sure there's a million more out there. Or, or you, you hear it, uh, debates on the radio or even the talking heads on nightly news or whatever it is. A lot of times in our culture, we hear things that sound like pithy and smart and suave in some logical sense. And people just repeat those without actually thinking through it. And here's the difficult part. The difficult part for us as Christians is not how to identify like Ben. That was just like, that was just like a counterpunch. Bang! Right back at you. There are no absolutes, Ben. You're like, well, is that absolutely true? I mean, just, we can do that, right? But the question is, do we doing it in such a way that it brings glory and honor to the Lord? Which that's what we want to do, because these things have to be taken down and not doing it in such a way as to say, did you graduate kindergarten or did they hold you back in your 32, right? Something like that. We don't want to come off uh, that way. In fact, we were going to show a video tonight of William Lane Craig correcting this college student. And the only version of the video that I could find was like in the front of the video, it's like uh, William Lane Craig smacks down a cocky, stupid, atheist college punk kid. And I'm just like, I can't show that. You know, anyway. Another one. Uh, No one can know any truth about religion. This is one response. And how precisely did you come to know that truth about religion? You see. Another one. You can't know anything for sure. 
And honestly, when some, you guys are, you know, trained and some of you guys have done a lot of apologetic study. And when we finish up this series, you're going to have, you're, you're going to be like Jason Statham with like 50 throwing knives of truth. All right. You're going to have to be careful that you're not like to do that. Seriously. All right. So you can't know anything for sure. Anybody have something you want to throw out? All right. Good. It's kind of repetitive, right? Uh, are you sure about that? Uh, some more. Talking about God is meaningless. In other words, God is so great and so grand and wonderful that we talk about and we can't really come to know anything. Anybody have something? You guys have the total outline too. So, What does this statement about God mean? In other words, you must have some idea about God to know that if we talk about him, that's not going to produce any fruit. Another one. You can only know truth through experience. What experience taught you that truth? Okay. Never take anyone's advice on that issue. Response, should I take your advice on that issue? Because apparently you are the master. I've got a really caught, because the, the one-liners come when you're dealing with stuff like that, but I'll try to be spirit-led when I'm telling you all to. All right. Quote, I used to believe in reincarnation, but that was in a former life. Kind of like the guy told me, I told you a month and a half, a couple months ago, the guy told me he was God and I was God. And I was like, dude, I am not God. <laughs> if we are, that's a good reason why the world's in the shape it's in, all right? Uh, so in other words, I don't believe in reincarnation. I do believe in reincarnation. Here's just a random one. Nobody goes there anymore. It's too crowded. <laughs> it's not crowded. It is crowded. Another one, quote, those terrorists have technology we don't even know about. We don't know about things that we don't know about. <laughs> Which, by the way, you'll see that a lot, of, a lot on the Internet. People, you know, these terrorists have technology that we don't even know of. All right. Another one, uh, people should never impose their views on others. Think of the current debate on the issue of homosexual marriage. Is blowing up the online world and the printed world and newspapers. One response is that are would be, are those your values? If so, why are you trying to impose them on others? You see, when people tell tell you, um, don't impose your values. That's immoral for you to impose your values on other people. Uh, case in point would be on Facebook. A lot of times, I don't get. Uh, I try to post things and comment on my feed. But there was some girl uh, that I had met at a youth conference that I had spoken to, at least that's what I think, uh, where we had met. And she was going off on, I guess, biblically, uh, Bible-believing, conservative, evangelical Christians. Who are any of y'all to, to say that someone else is wrong? And who are y'all to enforce your view uh, or impose your view on other people? And she's just going crazy. And I basically asked just a couple of questions. I said, how is what you're doing not imposing your view on those who disagree with you, a.k.a. evangelical, biblical, conservative Christians? And how are you not violating your own diatribe uh, against telling people that they shouldn't berate other people for their views? And nobody else said anything on the, on the feed, which I'm really surprised because a lot of people in the U.S. don't, you know, it's just, it doesn't, anyway. Um, Next example, everyone's view is a product of his own prejudices. 
You will often encounter this when you talk to college students and you tell them, you maybe come to the point of where Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. They say, everyone's view is a product of his own prejudices. In other words, it's not really true. One response to this would be, my own view is prejudiced. That's what they're saying, right? Another one. All your so-called facts are only beliefs dictated by your cultural biases. Well, that's the same thing for them. My, in other words, what they're really saying is that my own view is dictated by my own cultural bias. My view is that it's dictated by cultural bias, which means that I'm dictated by my own view that says cultural bias affects your... And then it just keeps going and going and going. So don't let people use these circular arguments as launching points um, against your, your faith in Christ. Here's another one. Only science gives reliable truth. Here's a little dialogue that we can walk through. The skeptic says, I don't believe in religion. Christian, you say, why not? Skeptic, there is no scientific evidence for it. Which, by the way, is not true, but just let them take the line. If you've been fishing, the fish bites the line, just let them them run with it. We respond, then you shouldn't believe in science either. Skeptic said, why? We say, because there is no scientific evidence for it. We realize that science is the process by which we measure and, uh, and deal with and understand the natural world, but science itself is a process. If you have any questions about science, Sue Beckett is the one to go to. How many years did you teach science? 31. 31, well, so local high school. What? I, I heard. She, absolutely. So whenever I talk about science, I'm like, is that right, Sue? Is that right? Yeah. All right, here's another one. This, this, this is good. Somebody says, all religions are true. If all religions are true, then Christianity is what? Sure. But we know that Christianity holds that all other religions are false. Correct? Yes. So, if all religions are true, where does someone go when they die? Heaven? Hell? They reincarnated? Did they go back to the dust? In other words, they can't do all of them at the same time, Right? If they're all true, then Buddhism is true, then Hinduism is true, and Islam is true, and Christianity is true. But yet they're saying all different sorts of things about where a person goes when they die. And what I would encourage you to do, that when you break something like this down to a person, who, who their thinking process is obviously not, I mean, the gears are stripped in there somewhere, often through um, postmodernism, and you know, just find your own way, and the truth is what you make it. When you give a point like this, a lot of times it's very wise just to sit back and wait for them to respond. Because a lot of people hear things like this, all religions are true, and they simply hear it, repeat it, and go on, and they never have someone actually say, if you thought about how that would actually work on its own merit. All right, Let's get into this with the four minutes that we have left. The Bible and homosexuality. All right, Skeptic says, People twist the Bible all the time to make it say whatever they want. We respond, well that's, and by the way, how would you respond? Is is this an accurate charge? Uh, Yes. And by the way, don't ever feel that you have to defend uh, everybody who calls themselves a Christian. There are fake preachers, there are fake churches, there are fake so-called Christians out there. So somebody says, hey, hypocrites, what do we do when people say hypocrites in the church? And who are they agreeing with when they say that? 
Jesus. It's like, dude, you agree with Jesus. No, I, yeah, he said there would be, and they go to hell. So yeah, you guys both don't like uh, hypocrites, okay? So here's the Christian response. Very true, but how does that relate to the point I made about homosexuality? When we say homosexuality, the Bible says homosexuality is wrong. Often they throw out what's called a smokescreen or red herring. Well, just because people twist the Bible uh, doesn't mean that I'm doing it, as we'll get to. They'll say, well, you're doing the same thing, and we can respond. Aren't you going to have, have to do more than point out that some people twist the Bible? You need to show how I'm actually twisting Sorry, twisting, twisting. That's just that's a very awkward, weird typo. You're going to have to show how I'm twisting, twisting the Bible. They're like freaking out, thinking you missed your meds or something. Good night. So you need to show how I'm actually twisting the Bible. Then ask them, have you studied these biblical passages before? Whether they say no or yes, then you can say, well, how do you know that I'm twisting them? Just because people can abuse something doesn't mean that what's being abused is false. And secondly, just because it can and has been abused before doesn't mean that I'm doing the same thing. So, and once again, you're not calling them stupid. You're simply saying, then how do you know that I'm twisting it? In other words, demonstrate to me how my biblical interpretation is off base. What about when the person hammers you with one question after another? Um, first, I would say, don't feel obligated to answer all their questions. And here's a statement from Greg Kukul uh, from his book on tactics. And he's very wise, and we'll end here tonight. He says, before we go, and by the way, this is the situation to where they're just getting incensed, going at you, question, random statement after random statement. He says, you should go down this road. Quote, before we go further, let me say something. My sense is that you want to explain your point by using questions. That confuses me a bit because I'm not sure how I should respond. I think I'd rather you just state your own view directly, then let me chew on it for a while and see what I think. Would that be all right with you? Because there are some situations that you can get in where they start hammering you with questions that are so bizarre that if you even took one of them, you would be not like the carp and you would simply go for the hook. When it's not even in bait. So we're going to go ahead and end there uh, tonight and pick this up next week. Two weeks from tonight, on Wednesday night, we're going to push this. The Sundays that we're in church, uh, one of Lee's friends from Voice of the Martyrs. You guys familiar with that group? Phenomenal group. I support them. All right, We don't support them as church. I do. I pray for them. I get their stuff. They're absolutely awesome. He's going to give a talk two weeks from tonight on Wednesday night from 7 to 8, on the persecuted church in the world. They're going to show videos. I really, really pray that we can get as many people here as we can, because this is something that I, as an American Christian, need to hear, and need to hear very regularly. So, uh, anybody have any anything to add before we, before we pray? All right, let's go to the Lord and pray. God, I thank you for this awesome group who you've brought out here. Uh, tonight, Lord, to, to pray, and we just thank you so much for the, the season of prayer that you allowed us to have before we opened your word and uh, learn, Lord, what may be a little bit of a, 
a unique message, Lord, but I believe it's a needed one for us to be um, very intellectually astute to where we are thinking about what we're hearing and we're not just ingesting what the culture tells us. But God, we are um, loving you and thinking well uh, with all of our mind as well as our heart and soul and strength. I pray, God, that you would bless and protect my brothers and sisters and that you would help us to see people saved and people discipled to your glory. And we love you, Father. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.